Welcome to the Iowa Idea Podcast. Join host Matt Arnold for in-depth conversations with artists, designers, entrepreneurs, and civic leaders as he explores how they approach their craft and represent a modern version of the Iowa Idea. This podcast tells the stories of Iowa natives, transplants, and friends who demonstrate the Iowa Idea in the 21st century. It's going to be messy. It's going to be beautiful. In this episode of the Iowa Idea podcast, I sit down with Yasmin Marrero. Yasmin talks about her journey and personal narrative, growing up as a first-generation Afro-Latina American from the West Bronx, to her work in behavioral neuroscience, and now an entrepreneur and coach. Yasmin discusses the power of identities, self-discovery, and personal narratives as tools to help people unlock their own confidence. In our conversation, we explore the power of intimacy, vulnerability, and community, especially in these trying times of change. Yasmin has created Connect and Cultivate, a woman of color empowerment circle based in Iowa City. Links to Yasmin's website, Instagram page, and her LinkedIn page are in the About section of this episode. I'd like to thank Yasmin for joining me for this discussion. It was an honor to have her on the podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. Yasmin, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here on the Iowa Idea podcast. If you don't mind, for listeners, could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, Matt, it's an honor to be here. What a wonderful concept. I'm so, I was just reading about it and I was like, man, this is cool. Very in line with Matt Arnold's style, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my name is Yasmin Marrero. I am an Afro-Latina born and raised in the West Bronx, New York City. Um, So I am an Iowa transplant. I came here... um, well, I guess I'll start from, I was in New York. I was raised by a single mother um, who, she was Dominican. My father's Puerto Rican and my father was in my life, but um, being first generation, being Afro-Latina, being in New York, being <laughs> the the child of a first, of a, of a first um, immigrant in America, all of these things kind of coalesced in this narrative, right? In this narrative that I had to, in order to be respected and revered and, and be successful in what is the American view, I had to be a doctor or a lawyer or something grand. I chose, I chose doctor, right? Um, so I went down that path and ultimately it ended up being, I was like, no way or go, I'm not doing organic chemistry, just not my thing, right? Um, and that evolved into a love of, of neuroscience through a couple other stumbling parts. Um, I did neuroscience research for about six years, got my bachelor's, worked at the National Institute of Health, um, and then started a PhD program at Emory University in Atlanta. And I loved Atlanta. Um, but at that moment, you know, finished my first year, it was this big, this big gas is the way that I'll describe it in this moment of like this narrative that I had been living by all this time meant that I was sacrificing everything and that happiness was not a a consistently occurring thing in my life. Um, And I had to go through what was this discovery period of like, what do I really want to 
do and what is the legacy and life I want to live. And it led me to leave the program, move out here to Iowa City. I was doing my master's at Northwestern as well as an, or, an organizational and leadership coaching certificate at Northwestern. Um, and now I am a leadership empowerment coach because what I recognized was that I had this deep love for what was that discovery, like seeing and having someone go through that discovery of like, I know this about myself, but not just leaving it there at the awareness, right? What do I do with that information? And how can it help me strip myself of all of these things that like these identities, these generational concepts, um, so that I can live a life I love, right? And, and it was, I became an entrepreneur as the leadership and empowerment coach while living here in Iowa City. Um, and I've been doing this for a while now and, and it's transformed. I do workshops and private coaching and I'm still here in Iowa City. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. There's so much, so much rich stuff to dig in there. So I think I'll start because I'm, I'm really interested on, on your coaching website too. You even, you even described the importance of self-discovery. Uh, mm -hmm. If you don't mind walking through kind of what, maybe what the epiphany was or what, what the catalyst was when you said you're at Emory and then it sounded like that, that sent you on your journey of self-discovery. But is there anything that you could share uh, related to your yeah. own self-discovery? Yeah. So I, I'll start by saying self-discovery the way that I define it is being, a, being able to be aware of your mindset, your behavior, your attitude, your lens towards something, and taking that awareness and then being able to transform it or shift it or keep it if it works for you, right? But, but is that, it's that agency over oneself that, that, is, that is so critical to self-discovery, um, which is why my whole thing is unlocking your empowerment and your ability to live a life based on what you deeply desire through self-discovery tools, right? Because those tools, those concepts, those little things, right, people don't teach you that. And so for me, it was a moment of, I was in the program, and my boyfriend said, you're unhappy, right? And I was like, well, yeah, like, isn't everyone unhappy? Like, this is the whole deal, right? You're not supposed to be happy if you're, if you're trying to be successful. That's not a thing, right? And it was in that that I recognized, wait a minute, have I set myself up for a life of sacrifice to achieve this successful standard that I didn't even decide, right? It was like told to me, like you're the lawyer, doctor, or, or, or president, right? Like that's it. That's all you got. And it's not, and that's not to say, that's to say and point out that their view was limited by what they saw in America and in the world was respected and revered. And so I had that epiphany, right? So that is the awareness of my behavior, my mindset, my lens. And, and then I had to wrestle with it. Or as Brene Brown says, I had to rumble with it. I had to be like, is this what I want? Is this what I, how I want to live, right? Because I've taken this as automatic assumption, right? Just that's how you do it, right? 
but I saw so many people actually passionate about what they were doing. And I was like, is that fake? Like, how do I get that? Right? Like, how do I do that? And um, so I started doing meditations and prayers and reading and, and doing so many different, using so many different tools, for lack of a better word, that, that allowed me to be like, okay, I want passion in what I do. Because passion is the seed that allows for all of these other things like, like empowerment and like um, discovery and like purpose and like agency and all of these other things and autonomy that I wanted that I saw in everyone else. And so I was part of this uh, leadership program because I was still a STEM graduate. And in that leadership program, I was, it was all about leadership and it was uh, facilitated by a performance arts professor, right? So we did improv, which as a a STEM student, like we were like, what is going (laughs) on, right? (laughs) Like science people, we don't, scientists don't do that, right? And then the other facilitator was an organizational psychologist who is essentially the person that I saw myself in and was like, whatever you're doing, what I want to do, which is my program ended up being in organizational psychology. And that's how I stumbled into coaching. Um, But it was that recognizing of like, okay, this is, this is where I'm at, right? Like, I'm aware that I've been living this way. And that that's not the story I want for myself anymore. So how do I figure out what I need to shift towards? What is that new story that I want to develop? Seeing it in someone else, after doing the work to figure out, okay, I want it to feel like home. I want it to feel creative. I want it to feel inspiring. I want to see something and be like, yes, right? And then saying, I'm going to do the work now to transform it. So that was kind of, in a nutshell, the, the discovery that I went through. That's, that's great. Thank you. And when, when you're talking about kind of your, uh, was it your mother's, like it said, that, like to be, you know, be a, be a doctor or be a lawyer, right? It's like, I, I, I feel something like my, my Irish Catholic grandmother, right? She would say, mm-hmm. you're, you're smart. You should be a doctor, lawyer, or a priest. Right? So, but, you know, and looking back at that, it was like, none of those were for me, but you know, now, mm-hmm. now I can look back. It's like, I think she was looking for, how can I just get you in a, a secure field? Like right from her mental yeah. model. And, and it's, it, it's expressed differently, but I think it was, I care about you. I want you to be safe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, what I, what I love about your journey, like you said, that self-discovery and then um, also that recognition that, Hey, I'm not happy. <laughs> right. And, and then mm-hmm. uh, bringing that in there. And I want to extend a little bit too, because one of the things I, I love about your approach is how you, you combine uh, leadership and empowerment. Can you, mm-hmm. can you talk in, and also in improv and is a really important word, right? But can you, can you talk to me about the power of and about joining leadership and empowerment? Yes. Um, so I think before I, before I mentioned that, like, yes to what you were saying about your, your grandmother, right. Yeah. And that Catholic upbringing, because that concept of what is secure, safe, um, successful and respected, right, is something that we inherit from from America, I think, as a whole. Right. It's just what we see, what you see on TV, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, 
the and in the leadership and empowerment recognizes two things. Leadership is, for me, not a title, right? It's not CEO. It's not executive. It is the ability to understand and be self-aware, have a vision, and then be moving towards that vision and be able to bring people along with you that share that vision, right? And then the empowerment piece is the second half of almost the discovery piece, which is I am able to empower myself because I have the, the vision, because I have the excitement, because I have the passion for what the leadership qualities I have are moving me towards. And I think so often we get caught up in leadership development as like C-suite executives or are, are, have the thousands of dollars to throw to this coach or to this training program. And what it does is tell you, all right, Myers-Briggs, you're, a, you're an EJF, whatever the, the, the acronyms are, um, and you should do this in order to be able to lead your people. That's not what leadership is, right? Leadership and empowerment go hand in hand because of the fact that it is a, a, a thing you craft. It is, it is, there's an art and a science to it. And it should not be exclusive to people who have certain statuses or certain positions. And so the and does bring the science and the art together for personal empowerment um, and personal development and professional development. But it also recognizes that element of, of being able to have and hold that no matter where you are. And a big thing for me especially is how do I provide this to people who, who typically have never heard of coaching? We had this huge wave of when therapy came out. Everybody was like, oh, we all need a therapist. Why have we not had it? Then we recognized, okay, it's typically because of finances that people don't have therapists, right? And now there's the resources for free therapy for certain groups or for low-income groups for therapy because this is a tool that everyone should have access to, right? Right. And so for me, it's like leadership and development, leadership and empowerment as well as self-discovery are things I think everyone deserves. And especially as a coach, that typically being a dominated status, uh, title and, and, and job and profession, right? I'm like, no, leadership and empowerment is available and accessible to everyone. And it is an art and a science and it is about you. And it provides that agency and that ability to, to really live a life you really love in any way that you want. Yeah, that's, that's great. As, as you were talking, one of the things that I was, I'm curious about, um, are you familiar with the podcast Against the Rules? Mm-mm. So, and I'll, uh, the, the author's name escaping me, but it's a guy that did Moneyball and, uh, and Blindside. And yes. so he wrote that uh, last season uh, of the podcast was called Refuse Suck. And it was how we're losing these uh, governing bodies, right? Like, like, and extends it into like economic collapse because nobody's really refing the system, right? But the season which just came out, it, it's about coaching. And one of the interesting things is um, almost an acceleration of inequality because the rich, like, like you said, like CEOs that are hiring top coaches and yet not providing mm-hmm. services like for, for their, their general team, right? So I, um, 
I've just started digging in, but I really, I really found that fascinating as, as another accelerator of uh, inequality in America is who gets access mm-hmm. to these resources. So I really just appreciate you saying that the need for everybody to have kind of leadership and empowerment and really through the, the notion of agency, right? Where uh, feeling a little bit more like you have with agency, you feel like you have a little bit more control over your life, that you're, mm-hmm. you're the actor, right? Rather than just responding to other things. But uh, anyway, I found that fascinating. And that's why I, I just, again, I love, love being able to sit down and talk with you about all, all these things. Yeah, yeah. And I want to add to what you said, because I think the thing that I understand it, but it bugs me is that we are trying mentorship, yeah. mentorship, right? We're so about mentorship, but what mentorship is, or what we imagining, what we are imagining it to be, is a watered down version of coaching, right? It's a watered down version of coaching. This person that is in a status or in a position or in a place that I want to be at, I want to model them, right? And so it's an assumption of someone else's narrative, right? Instead of me discovering my own narrative, right? But it's still getting me to push myself towards that, towards achieving that goal or towards being that way. And I think for me, it's about how do you, how do you shift the narrative from being, I need a mentor to being, I need a coach or a mentor, or maybe I need a therapist. I have all of these available to me. Which one is the one that I need, right? Right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, one of the things we like to dig in uh, on the podcast too is, and it's related to to mentorship, but it, it's support and influences. And you talked a little bit about you know where you saw yourself, like the the organizational kind of design, or, or sorry, the organizational psychologist. You kind of saw yourself in that person or who you wanted to be. But can you tell me a little bit about in your journey for self discovery and and uh, where you're at as a leadership and empowerment coach, where, where did you see important elements of support uh, come from mm, or who mm. are your influences? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say something that's probably very uh, different, which is a, I, I thought it myself <laughs> and that sounds kind of a, no. some people could call that cocky. Some people could call that uh, self-absorbed. I think, I think that there were people, I think the people that supported me were those that show that demonstrated and pointed out something in me that I saw in them. And that's why I say it in that way. So I had my, uh, when I was an undergrad, I had a a postdoctoral fellow um, that, that was, kind of oversaw me and like worked with me to develop my projects and stuff like that. And she was a a Dominican woman from, from Dominican Republic um, who lived in Boston and was getting her, like finishing her doctorate. I mean, not finishing her doctorate. She was postdoctoral. Right. Um, And, and she was from New York as well. Right. So, so I, shared the similar narrative with her. And she was someone, Madeline, Madeline Bias Santiago. She is someone who has been with me through the whole process. When I was living in Atlanta, I first moved to Atlanta, I stayed with her. She was in Atlanta, surprisingly, right? At that time. And she is someone that, as I was saying with mentorship, right? Instead of telling me like, this is how you do it, right? She would ask me questions. 
she would be like, well, how do you feel about that? Right? Like, what is it that you think you need right now? Which are coaching questions, right? Like, right. those are questions that you ask with yourself, like, well, we'll forget what that person said, right? What are the questions? What is, what is it that you need in this moment? What are you looking for? And that allowed me to reflect um, and, and also recognize I can ask myself those questions, right? I can ask myself those questions and I could, I could develop a new narrative by myself. So her, she is definitely someone who, who helped me recognize that in myself. Another person Another, um, uh, she's a Puerto Rican woman. Her name is Yahaira uh, Santiago, um, and for T Santiago, and she is someone um, who is also a doctor. Now works in New York, um, and at Memorial School in Cutter, I think. Um, but she is another woman who who pushed my question. She would push me to think about all right, is this, let me give context. Yeah. When I first left New York and when I was applying to college, a big thing that I had to wrestle with was the concept that my identity mattered, right? That where I came from in New York, the fact that I was Latina, the fact that I was first generation American, those were all identities that made me eligible to go to this school on top of my grades, right? And so I needed to put that in my college essays or put that in my scholarship essays because it mattered that I came from a single month, like all of these narratives, right? And so me being someone who was striving to get that thing, I, I assumed those identities. That was nothing I thought about growing up until I had to apply to college. Um, and and she was someone who pushed that, that question of like, okay, your identity is something to be proud of, but when does, have you been assuming that in a way that constrains you and puts you in your own box? And she's like, yes, I am a port, I'm from Puerto Rico. Yes, I was doing my doctorate, but what, but that does not, that is, that is stable. That is no matter what, that is true. And, and what am I taking that and becoming? How am I breaking out of the box? So she was some, she was someone else that, that I, that I hold very dear in, in my process. And then lastly, I would say my boyfriend, Stephen Willis. He is someone that has, he was the first person that I would say ever introduced me to the power of awareness and the power of like, let me decide what I want to become. Let me imagine it. Let me allow that to be completely different from what anyone else wants to do. Because outside of my dad, who had like a, a parking lot and had like um, small businesses every once in a blue, right? I'm the first entrepreneur. I'm the first to go into coaching. I'm the first to do all of these things that are that has nothing to do with being a doctor, a lawyer, a president, right? But let me push that boundary because that is something that's calling me and that is something that excites me. And Stephen was always the one that was like, well, if that excites you, follow that, right? And be in line with not just your mind, but also your body as you're going through this because there's so much intuitive information there. Um, those are the three people I would, I would in some. No, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's great. 
And uh, yeah, so there are so many things that we we could unpack there too, and and just just given everything in 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 the context of what's going on right now, I I do I just find it fascinating as as all of the things that you've talked about your identity, first generation, Afro Latina, right? It uh, single mom. Uh, th- those aren't usually the stories that are put out in a general narrative about like. Uh, like who's successful and who's doing it. So um, I'm, if you don't mind too, I'd like to do your own personal persistence and, and, and grit a little bit too, because mm-hmm. you're uh, for folks listening that we've, we've collaborated uh, out, outside of the podcast and uh, you're mm-hmm. just such, such a ball of positive energy for me. It's always, it's always <laughs> great to engage with you. Uh, but just this, this journey sounds like, uh, like there, there's a lot of like grit and, uh, you know, kind of self-determination needed. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I would say, I don't, you know, I'm not sure where it comes from. I would say it's, <laughs> it comes from my, my mother and my grandma. I was raised with my grandma, my grandmother, my mother and my aunt, and they were all single women. They were, single mothers at certain points they were fireballs and they were like (laughs) that's why i i kind of alluded to this but womanhood in and of itself was a construct that helped shape me as as well but womanhood looked so different for me than i think many other people's womanhood look like because womanhood for us was like you were the provider you would beat someone up if you needed to, right? <laughs> that got in the way. Um, you you stood for your family. You were the community holder and healer. Um, and, and, and you persisted, persisted, persisted for whatever you were looking for. And I think that, that it, it was something embedded in me almost. I inherited that from all the women in my family. Um, and, and it's something that, that I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say take for granted, but it's just like I mentioned, it's embedded, yeah, and right. so, and so that grit is just a part of, it's just a part of me because I grew up with it. The the ball of fire, I've I've I had this nickname for for a point of, of firecracker because I was just like I'm in this room, I'm here, I'm present, I'm gonna make you laugh, right? Um, I, I don't know where that comes from. I want to say it's my it's my dad. My dad is very charismatic. Um, and, and that is something that once I left home to go to college that I think I fully started to embrace because you, as a woman, as a woman of color, especially you get this, you step into spaces and, um, if you are allowed, it is, it is considered too much it's it's too big it's too grand you're you're too performative or whatever the thing is and and your parents because they they're they want you to be respected and they want you to be get good grades and they want your performance evaluation to go well right or your report card to have good grades they're like tone it down a bit right they're like tone it down a bit you don't need to be that loud why are you yelling um (laughs) and and when i went to college i didn't have I i didn't have to work around that. My grades were a reflection of what I did on the exam, not a reflection of how I showed up into the room. Um, and so I was able to embrace that and shape it because um, 
being loud and being because I use loud as literally the volume, but but loud and 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 intentional with the way that I'm showing up because of the fact that I want people to to feel just know who I am from the energy I give and bring into the room. So I think that that's really where both of those come in. And, and I think so I was listening to Coach Switch last night, the NPR podcast, specifically yep. on the, the episode on um, what do we inherit? Because they were talking about generational um, traumas. And they said something along the lines of what allows us to, to continue on in the world is having roots in our culture and roots that are in pride and excitement that allow us to pull when we need to be resilient, when we need to be persistent, when we need to, to move forward in a way that, that is leadership almost, right? And, and it was, it's so, now I'm connecting like, yes, that existed for me because the grit and the, the charisma and the, the way I show up in a room as well as the way that I persist in something I'm determined to achieve, those all come from my roots and my, my culture and whatever, how I grew up and where I grew up even in the West Bronx, you know? Yeah. So. No, that's great. And, you know, like you've talking about culture, I think sometimes it's almost like descriptions of fish and water. You don't even realize its influence until you're, or its importance until you're out mm-hmm. of it. Right. But so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're just a kid growing up and these are all the patterns that are getting imprinted. And so then also it does, it does take time to reflect and, and look at, you know, what was good, you know, what was bad. And, and then back to and what agency am I going to claim over this? Mm-hmm. You know, those are, those, those are all so, so important in my, in my opinion, I think one of the things that we're missing in, in society is people that are afraid to have a self-examined life is like looking back at things. And, and it's almost like mm-hmm. we just took everything as a transaction. I did this. So I should, I, I get that rather than how did this influence me? Uh, or as you and I talked about like design thinking questions, how might I make this better? What, you know, what, what exactly. might we do or what would it look like if, right. And uh, mm-hmm. so those, those are other things that I just really appreciate about your, your approach. And one other comp too, like from a, a design and brand standpoint is you have such a, a unique, authentic brand. I think I mean, you live, mm. you, you live the Yasmin brand, right. And it, and like said, it <laughs> is, it like, it's like, I just like certain things that I expect when I'm going it, to, it's, uh, we're going to have a great conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a smile on my face and I'm, I might walk away with more questions after than I had before, but that's, <laughs> That's right. I love, I love when we get to dig in on, on questions and topics. So uh, yeah, thank, thanks for your, uh, and, and just some of that about kind of the, the, the loudness, the charisma that just, uh, you know, having a great presence, I think is, is awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you. One of the things I want to talk, so this is a little bit different than, uh, you know, kind of, kind of mentorship, but sometimes just thinking about stories of craft or creativity or persistence stories or narratives of others that resonate with you or maybe when when your energy is down are there are there influences that help you know refill your tank hmm. I think I'm not sure that this will answer your question but it's it's yeah. what's coming up for me as a response right. to your question I've been leaning especially in this time where we are seeing kind of 
the 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 unveiling to almost everyone right of of the social inequality the hypocrisy that America has been showing off um I have been leaning deeply into uh intimacy and community and this has been an emotionally exhausting and an emotionally challenging time as all change is right um and when i have felt most challenged it is the intimate conversations i have with people and it's the true community that 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 holds me up as well as allows me to hold them up and so i've been calling friends from college all the way up until now and saying how you how you going right how are you doing and affirming their worthiness and affirming themselves and 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 saying like you know it's tough right now your emotions are valid i honor you i respect you i appreciate that you're here right not not discrediting anything they're going through that intimacy and that vulnerability right because because vulnerability is is such a tough topic the vulnerability of being able to affirm someone and then receive the affirmation that care and that intimacy has been what has most supported me throughout my life and whether it's calling my aunt after a breakup or it's calling my boyfriend after having a tough conversation with someone those intimate conversations of like i am putting out my emotions and it's a space where they are honored, respected and allowed to be that has really supported me in tough times and that is what community should be right i think one of the things covid taught me was like there is the illusion of community which are the people that surround you physically and then there's true community which are the people where you're allowed to rest process vent um recover recuperate whatever the case is and you are allowed to to be in whatever messy configuration you want to be um and those those two leaning into the intimacy the vulnerability um the giving and the receiving of care in community has been what has allowed me to move forward and in doing so the sparks of that i have in conversation is what then becomes the creativity in my work because the work that i do is very intimate like with every client that i have i've built some level of 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 a space where they they can be right um i've worked with people who consider themselves alcoholics or recovering alcoholics i've worked with people who have never been able to talk about how um how alienated they feel in the workplace and i create that intimate space and holding pattern where i say like you need to cry cry it out let's talk about it let's face it let's rumble with it let's play with it right and and that's what allows them by the end of that hour to be like all right now i have this awareness now i have this this seed what am i going to do with it right and that's what the question ends up being and it be it's like okay what is the small shift because it's not one session and then we're done right it changes right, the whole right. world right it it's it's that 
it's that that holding space, that support that you create, and then at the end, the action that you decide, the small shift in your life that you decide to make, that allows you to keep moving forward. Um, and, and it's it's in those intimate and vulnerable moments that I'm like, oh man, vulnerability plays such a huge role, right? How do I create a workshop around it? What are the pillars to this? What are the the elements that are important? both in the workplace, if I were working with a Fortune 500 company, right, or in a nonprofit or grassroots program, right? What is the difference between forcing myself to evolve versus forcing myself to bloom, right? Or making the way for myself to bloom, how those are different. So, so all this to say is like the intimacy, the vulnerability, and those, those conversations and community that I have, that is where I'm supported and the seeds of my work stem from that because I am able to see and witness and experience what I am attempting to provide to the world in those moments or something spins off of it that I'm like, Oh, this is good. Like (laughs) I need to put up a a video about this. Right. And then I, I create something from it. So, yeah. Oh, thank, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Want to dig in a little bit on vulnerability because, uh, from from my perspective, I'm seeing that getting um, more more attention, and it's something that in traditional leadership, like you weren't supposed to be vulnerable, right? It was kind of a, mm-hmm. a top down, almost like taskmaster, almost dictator kind of view of the world for leadership, right? And mm-hmm. um, but you know, seeing vulnerability combined with with true empathy as like really powerful characteristics and I'm beginning to believe that vulnerability is actually a uh, demonstration of, of, of true strength is is that you're able to say uh, especially especially in me like I I don't know or I don't have the answer mm-hmm. uh, and, mm-hmm. and for my design teams I'm a, I, I get you know I don't like it to be left it's like but I don't know but let's find out or let's dig in mm-hmm. right but can, can you talk a little bit more about that vulnerability uh, element that you're seeing uh, in coaching? Yeah. Um, I'll start by saying that we are shied away from vulnerability because of the shame that occurs when we express ourselves vulnerably. When we as children are like, I don't know the answer, right? It's like, well, you should know. You studied all night, right? Or you've been in school for eight hours a day. You should know the answer to this question when you're sitting at home with a math problem in front of you right. that your parents don't know how to answer, right? And and it's like, it's, it's, it is those moments where we learn vulnerability doesn't make me feel safe and I should shy away from it vulnerability is a threat and and once we start to process and think of something as a threat we it has to be shut down right Right. because it is a point where we can be shot at and for me vulnerability is is transforming in its definition because yes it is exposing yourself but you can also interpret it as an opening for something new, a creation of space for something new. And the shame can occur, has occurred to many of us, right? And that is a factor of the institutions, right, that exist and the things that we need, we think we need to live by in order to live a good life, 
what I call the, the colonized mind, right? Not colonized as in like colonized in the sense of like there is a right way to do the life, right? There's a right way to do this. There's a right path, et cetera, et cetera. And when we, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable in spaces where we feel safe, in spaces that become non-judgmental and do not no longer have shame, or if they do, we call it out and the person is held accountable for it, right? That is where we are allowed to create new things. And I think this is, it's really interesting we're talking about this because this is critical right now in the, in, in the state we are in in America and the state we're in as the world. Um, where I'm having these conversations with, with people that are not of the same demographics as I am, do not have the same experiences. And they're like, Yasmin, why do I feel like I can be so vulnerable with you? Like, I don't only want to talk to you about this, right? Why don't we have more vulnerable spaces, more intimate spaces that we can move into? Because, because we don't allow ourselves to be, right? We don't allow ourselves to be open. We don't allow ourselves to make a mess. We don't allow ourselves to be wrong and then correct ourselves and learn how to be different, right? And I think vulnerability is something in coaching in particular that's important because it allows you to face what it is that's preventing you from becoming or being what you want to be. And when we, we already work nine to five for entrepreneurs, we work 12 to 12, (laughs) right? Like we work all the time. And so when it comes to like this internal work, their vulnerability brings, we're like, Oh, God, there's more, there's yeah. more, right? And so it's like, when you when you, when you step into the coaching situation, I always tell you, it's going to be messy, it's going to be beautiful, but it's going to be work, right? right? It's like, you have to be willing to do the work on top of the work. You do physical work, you do mental work, and now you got to do emotional work as well, yeah. right? So, so that we can shift this narrative. And the vulnerability allows for whatever is standing in the way right? There be, there's this opening of like, oh, snap, I, I have believed that I needed to be this way, or I needed to make this much money, and I needed to make it in this way, right? The opening happened. You see that thing, you face that thing. And I'm like, is that actually a threat? Right? Because we've, we've been taught it's a threat, right? Is that actually a threat, right? Who in this world demonstrates that that's not the only way to do this, right? Um, Who in this world doesn't make that much money, but has the qualities of living that you like? Who in this world doesn't make money in that way? Um, How can you give yourself evidence for that being different? And, And once they face it, then they're able to say, I no longer want this. And they are able to be vulnerable within themselves about that and be able to say, I can face my emotions and I can overcome them or I can face my challenge and I can overcome them. I can face my narrative and change that. And, and in coaching, that's super important because if you can't face yourself, then you're not going to change anything external. Nothing's going to change for you. Um, yeah. So vulnerability in coaching and outside is super transformative and it breaks the illusions that we believe and assume automatically right. about threats in the world. 
I really, one of the things you were talking about too, I really like that frame of that vulnerability is actually open because it's also during that openness that creativity can enter, right? New ideas, mm -hmm. right? new ways to think about things. And one of the other things you said that I think is, is so important too is the safe space for the conversation, right? And mm -hmm. there's some work that I've, I've been doing and actually was talking to uh, Ed Morrison, he's part of Purdue's Agile Strategy Labs and the folks doing strategic doing. Okay. And one of the things he broke down was, uh, for me was, you know, in organizations, you have the organization's the big unit, and then you have the team, right, the smaller unit. And then mm -hmm. the smallest unit within the team is the conversation. And if you can't create a safe space for that conversation, you're not going to get different results. And I just feel like mm. one of the themes talking to people, too, about us being our best selves and being best collaborators really require us to uh, create safe spaces for those around us to express ideas. Uh, so I really, I really appreciated your comments kind of combining that, that vulnerability and openness with psychological safety, because if you don't feel like you're in a safe space, you're not, you're not going to give a vulnerable open answer. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what happens to innovation? It's stifled. It's, right. it's cut off. It's lifeline and it, it's dead because, you can't innovate if I'm not willing to say, hey, what if my phone also allowed me to get on the internet, right? Yeah. And someone like, are you kidding? That's so dumb. The phone's going to be huge. Da, 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 da. Like, if you're not allowed to say that, what is innovation, right? Innovation is not allowed yep. to, to exist. So on your on your website, one of the things too I, I enjoy is your call to action button says let's grow. I, I just I love that in too in just like kind of like living the spirit of 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 growth. So um, mm -hmm. one one of the things I wanted to check in with is uh, just could you could you tell me or tell uh, listeners how they might get in touch with you or you know take advantage of some of your your services? Yeah, yeah. I think the easiest ways to do so would be my website, which is IamYasminMorero.com um, or Instagram, because on Instagram, I'm always posting the offerings that I have. I think it's the easiest way to spread the news or on my LinkedIn, both of which are empowered by Yasmin, fully spelled out. Yeah. And, um, and I think more and more I'm leaning towards newsletters. So if you're like, Yasmin, I love your website, but I don't want to go through the whole thing, right? <laughs> like, okay. Then just get on my newsletter and I'll tell you once a month or maybe once every two months, depending on the time of year, right? Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you where there's a coaching opportunity, where there's a workshop that I may be co-leading or be leading, where there's something new in beta that is free that you might like to try. Um, I also have a women of color um, empowerment circle that I run monthly here for in Iowa City but it is now because we're all virtual, right? right. Every it's nationwide and it's, it's something that, that is also an offering. So my website, I am or any of the social sites at empowered by Yasmin. Those are my two best ways. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Uh, another question for you too, is we're, you know, we've talked a lot about advice, but one, one thing that I check in with, with most guests is can Austin Cleon's book, Steal Like an Artist, he said, when we're giving advice, we're usually talking to our, a younger version of ourself. So mm -hmm. is, there, are there, is there advice that you wish you would have had uh, when you were younger? Yeah, uh, I think 
don't ask questions only outwardly, ask questions inwardly and be able to, and, and be willing to break the box, right? I think that the, the being able to ask questions internally and be able to break whatever I think is the mold I'm, I no longer fit into, that would have changed the game for me, I think. <laughs> Anything right. is possible when you can do that. <laughs> awesome. Are there, was, were there any, any topics we didn't cover today that uh, you thought we might touch upon? Uh, I mean, I mentioned this element of like the thing that I love about the Iowa idea that I want to point out is that you are bringing, you are bringing what the Iowa idea brought when it first started, which was, I'm a creative person that also has concepts and not, and those concepts don't live just in a textbook. They live in the way that I'm living. And the embodiment of those concepts is what I think the Iowa idea is doing. It is when you fuse the concept with the actual performance of being, it's like a whole new ball game. And so just wanted to point out that was, that's brilliant, right? And I think that you are very much capturing that in the podcast, which is so dope, man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That's very kind. I appreciate that. Well, Yasmin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, have you on the podcast it's always good to catch up thanks so much for taking yeah, the yeah. time and, and sharing your gifts of course of course thank you for having me and i'll see you around that <laughs>